0: Hi, and welcome to another great message from Noosa Church. We pray that you're impacted and inspired by this teaching. For more information and service times, check out our website at noosa.church. Enjoy. We're going to, why don't you open your Bibles this morning to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to read from verse 10 to 18 this morning, but we're going to do it in sections. And... Uh, We'll see if we can crack something open and we'll hopefully that that the Lord will speak to us. And, you know, my prayer is that you wouldn't hear the waffle from the guy up the front, but that the Lord would pierce your hearts and your mind with his wisdom, with his revelation, and with his grace. Verse 10. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you that you perf- be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared to, to be concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, whoever Chloe is, that there are contentions among you. Now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul or I'm of Apollos or I'm of Cephas or I'm of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified? For you? Or were you baptised in the name of Paul? Those are amazing words, aren't they? Strong words. I, I love to, you know, I, I love that, that, you know, in essence, Paul saying, you know, if, if you've got any regard for the name of Jesus, I love his plea, doesn't he? really pleases them. He says, look, if we, this is how serious this is for me. It's, uh, you know, if you have any regard for Jesus who died for us, you know, then, you know, by which, you know, be unified. You know, we see it. I, you know, I think sometimes we, you know, we see unity in crisis. You know, I don't think a lot about um, the Life Point Baptist Church down the highway, but I have in the last day. And, you know, some it's some things, you know, and I think when, when someone's hurt or when someone's injured or when something happens or someone's in crisis, the... We become one very quickly, don't we? And, you know, and Paul's saying, well, how about we just become one anyway? You know, there's things that do lead us to one. When the pressure's on, you know, when the church is persecuted, we've seen it throughout the centuries, when we're persecuted, the church becomes unified immediately. But when the persecution's not there, sometimes we, we get caught saying, oh, I'm, you know, I like it when bow leads. No, I like it when Deb leads, you know what I mean? And, you know, all of a sudden you can create division within a household, because we like someone's leading, we like someone speaking. In uh, in September this year, you, know, you probably can, you know, you, you, which is probably why you're all sick of me. I've been here pastoring for twenty years, and you know, a third of that was serving Pastor Michael, and the other two thirds were was as senior pastor. And and over those years, you know, which is which is why um, you know I look so weary all of the time. You know, is. I've seen the heights and the depths of disagreement and agreement. You know, I've seen the factions and the divisions, you know and, you know. and here's the crazy thing. All of these divisions, all of these disagreements are out of the hearts of God-loving good people. And I think we'd, we've got to, you know, the Apostle Paul's not saying, you know, he's not saying, because he speaks of himself, you know, he speaks of himself and Peter and Apollos and Jesus, and he's saying, look, all good people, especially Jesus, but they are not what unite us. And he pleads with them that, you know, that, that um, Christ be our foundation. And we, we tend to alienate each other when our unity is based on agreement, not Christ. And there's many things to disagree on. And, you know, let me assure you, I am a very big believer in disagreement. In fact, if you have a conversation with me for more than five minutes, I'm probably going to disagree with some. Some of the, you know, heresy that's coming out of your mouth. (laughs) But here's the thing. Disagreement is the tension, I believe, that sharpens us. The Bible talks about iron sharpening iron. It's disagreement. But we need to learn to disagree well. It's the tension that sharpens us, it refines our belief, and it exposes our character. When we're in disagreement, the rawness of our character comes to the surface, doesn't it? And what bubbles over? You know, he says, so great. So even that's great when something terrible bubbles over because we get to see the raw version of ourselves. You don't get to see the raw version of yourself in agreement, you only get to see it in disagreement. So be thankful that you have disagreements from time to time because you get to mirror your You go, wow, didn't realize that was in there. Learning to disagree well from our common foundation of Jesus Christ, to me, is what a healthy church looks like. Jesus says, By this all world will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. Well, our love's not visible in our agreement. We can go to the football. You can go, you know. You can go to to Suncorp Stadium with, you know, with forty thousand Queensland supporters and, you know, and five hundred New South Wales supporters, and there's full agreement about what they want to happen, except for those poor five hundred cockroaches, as they say. But what happens in this healthy community where we learn to disagree well is we begin to see through the eyes of our foundation, what is true, what is good, and what is beautiful. So I want to challenge you this morning. We may not have, you know, agreement about uh, sentiment, about what we like or or about, you know, or, or about what we believe in the peripherals. But let us take a moment on the foundation of Christ and find some unity in our affection for one another. It's a deeply challenging thing to do to to have affection for one another in the midst of disagreement. And I think this this is when we see Christ in us because that's the only way it's going to happen. 1 Corinthians 3.11 says this, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. You see, when we operate off that foundation when, there's, when, when we understand that we're all standing on the same platform of Christ and Christ crucified. Disagreement no longer is, you know, it, it's, it's not a source of division, but it's actually a source of growth. It's how we sharpen one another. Paul went to, to the hall of Tyrannus and he, he dialogued, in other words, he argued for two years straight with the people there. And out of those disagreements, it says all of Asia heard the gospel because of that. All of Asia didn 't come to that disagreement, but the people were so stirred in their faith they were so uh, their disagreement sharpened them that much that they took it wherever they went, and the whole of Asia heard the gospel let's disagree more often let's just figure out how to do it well Proverbs 13:10 says this but pride by pride comes nothing but strife or division you know, so he talks of you know, you, you, you know the, the the writer of the Proverbs speaks that pride sometimes is the source of of not dividing well because we you know I don't know about you but at some point if I'm arguing with me I know when 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 uh, my character my raw character has come to the surface because at some point it's no longer about what we're arguing about it's about winning. Anyone agree with that? Holy, you're all holy. Paul says, he, he's a, to me, I, was, I read, you know, I was reading that this week. I said, wow, Paul." Paul's saying here that pride will even create a division between Christ and his apostles. I am with Paul. Someone's like, I am with Christ. We can, we can love someone so much that it can even cause a division between them, what they say and what Christ says. Paul says this, but Jesus says that. Isn't that phenomenal that we would do that? You know, so let's, you know, let's make our foundation sure. Apostle Peter says in his second letter, he says, let's make our call and our election sure. We need to make it sure because, and he goes on, he says, and if you do this, you will never stumble. We stumble and disconnect when our unity is based on any other foundation. When I was a lad, we used to do it like this. We're not where I come from. We, we live in this transient place of Noosa and the majority of people have come from somewhere else. We've had an influx of Victorians in the last, in the last two years and you know, and who knows, they need the Lord down there. So welcome to all of you and uh, we pray that God will bless you and do a work on your heart and restore you back to becoming an Australian again. Is Christ Divided Church? You know, we're, we're preaching a message here and someone down the road preaching another message and someone up there around the corner's preaching something else. And you know what? There's going to be some different sentiment. There's going to be some different sentiment in those messages. But here's the reality, church. Our foundations are the same. I went on tour last year when I was on holidays, went to four different churches. And guess what? They've got the same foundation we've got. They've got different sentiments. You know, some of them, they sing different songs and their, their order of service is different. But we've got the same foundation. And I felt the joy of the Lord and the love in their community like we have here. And I'm so blessed because I had a confidence that no matter where a believer goes to church in this town, they're going to be in a community that's healthy, that's God-honoring. See, here's the thing. Ministers, or, you know, however instrumental they are in our lives, are never to be put in the place of Christ. Only he is our saviour and our sacrifice. Only he is our Lord and our guide. Paul continues in 14, he says, I thank God that I baptised none of you except Crispus and Gaius. Lest anyone should say that I had baptised in my own name. Yes, I did also baptise the household of Stephanus. Besides, I do not know whether I baptised any other. It's an interesting thing to say. I thank God that I baptised none of you. I'm pretty sure Jesus is going to all the world, uh, baptising people. And he's thanking God that he baptised none of them. It's a little bit of a contradiction from Brother Paul there. And I, I, you know, so I sit there and I ask the question. I go, why did Paul say that? And I think... Here's the reality, church. It's natural for us to form a bond with those who make the introduction to Jesus. Each of us form a bond with someone who introduces us you know, to him and, and, you know, and, and potentially we can hold that person in higher regard than any other person. And sometimes even Jesus will even... We won't open the Bible. We'll go and see that person. So I think... You know, we can appreciate... Here's what Paul's saying. He's saying, hello, people. Look, I am the newspaper, not the news. Does that make sense? Let's be the newspaper, church. Let's not be the news. Let's remember who the news is. The good news of Jesus is delivered by the living apostles, the living epistles, sorry, that we are. We are, you know, you are to someone, the newspaper, that declares the news of Jesus. Christ did, verse 17, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. Unfortunately, I don't know about you, I love a good speech. Um, you, know, I, um, I'm, I, you know, I think there's some magnificent speeches. You know, I think of Martin Luther King in Washington. The I Have it a Dream speech. You know, you think of um, Lincoln's Gettysburg Address. You know, you think of all these amazing ones. Obviously, at the top of the list would be Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Just amazing speeches. And we can get caught sometimes in the oratory magnificence of the speech. And we can declare that that's why something great happened. And I think much of the success in what we call the work of God today can be ascribed to potentially to strategy and to talent. Polished words, not plain doctrine. Not plain doctrine declaring Jesus Christ and him crucified. We can actually diminish the cross by celebrating talent, by celebrating strategy. There's nothing wrong with those things. Sometimes the Lord, you know, he, he through through His Word, He highlights for us to make sure that we make our calling and election, we make our foundation sure. Make sure you know what foundation you're standing upon. Because sometimes, if your foundation is something else, if your foundation is your talent or your relevancy, your I'm unrele- guess what at some point everyone becomes irrelevant. We just had a youth camp last week. You, Guess who didn't get invited to speak to the young people at the camp because of his irrelevancy? Because Josiah knows that I'm 50 next year and a 13 and 14 year old, I am older than all of their parents, literally. i to take a moment. See, my goal in this place is to reduce the gap between the platform and the pew. We want a church that is, you know, we want a church that doesn't get so good up here that the church, we give the church, we give each of us permission to distance ourselves from the responsibility of being a Christian. The responsibility to know God intimately. We don't go to God, we go to someone to talk about God. We don't go to His Word, we go to a podcast. We don't quote Scripture, we quote what someone else said about Scripture. God wants to invite you deep into a relationship with Him. See, what happens sometimes is if it gets too good up here, we're looking for a champion to do our work. We're looking for a David to kill Goliath, but guess what God's looking for? He We've already got a champion, and the champion is Christ. The foundation is Christ. But what he wants now on the foundation of Christ is a champion team. Let's get the ball to to Josiah. Let's get the ball to Bo. Now let's pass the ball around. Let's hang out in the hall of Tyrannus and argue for two years and sharpen each other so that when we go out into Noosa, guess what? All of Noosa hears the gospel. That's the dream church. I can't go and tell the hall of Noosa the gospel. I'm irrelevant to everyone, obviously, under 17 years of age. Daniel 11 speaks of, the, of you know, of of the danger of, you know, when we pursue, when we pursue or we distance ourselves from responsibility, we're, we, we're pursuing our own work, aren't we, our own lives? And he says, what happens is those, those who are like that, guess what? They get persuaded by smooth words. Don't be persuaded by smooth words. He goes on in verse 32, he says, But those who pursue and know God, those who have a foundation of Christ, this is my, this is my paraphrase, will be strong, this is what it says, and do great exploits. See, the goal is not to sit with a champion. The goal is to surrender your life and pursue the Lord. And when we do that, then we will be strong. We won't be weak looking for someone to be strong for us. We will be strong and we will do great exploits. If you know the history of Paul's life in the, in the, uh, in the Jewish community, he was, he was well able and he reminds us himself that he's well able. Very humble. He says, I'm well able to bring more eloquent speech. But he put his learning aside. He put his learning aside so they could preach a simple gospel of a crucified Jesus in plain language. He didn't want to woo people with smooth words. He wanted the power of the gospel to transform lives. He wanted to know that surrendering to a crucified Jesus We'll do more for a life than listening to great oratory skills from an apostle. See, truth needs no fancy dress. That's why I'm happy with spaghetti bolognese. I just need the carbs and the protein. That's all we need. We don't need all these other fancy stuff. It swirls around the edge of the plate, and yada, 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 just hit me with hit me with the substance there's a lot of talent there's a lot of skill there's a lot of fluff there's a lot of be- you know there's a lot of beauty but we need a church full of substance because when push comes to shove that little beautiful little strip that the, the chef puts around the edge will not energize you for the day ahead but the meat but the spaghetti the word will sustain you goes on, verse 18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved is the power of God. He goes on a little further and he says, to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness, but unto unto those who are called by Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So he speaks to the, you know, he's in Corinth. He's speaking to the Corinthian church here. So you've got, you know, this this blend of Jews and Greeks there. You've probably got a bunch of Jews who moved there, which may be where the church was established. And there's a bunch of, obviously, Greeks who lived there as well. And he speaks to the challenges, you know, of the Jews and the Greeks. Because the Jews held the prophecies of the coming Messiah. For thousands of years, the prophecies of the coming Messiah came through the Jewish nation. But the downside of the Jews is they, you know, became under the, uh, you know, the, the Roman um, persecution for all those years. So when the Messiah they were waiting for, they had their heart set on the Messiah liberating them from their current situation. Not only didn't Jesus liberate them from the Romans, but he, died, he was killed. How could the Messiah be killed? What about the Greeks? Well, the Greeks owned thought. You think about the, the the half millennia before Jesus. Who did they have? They had Plato, had Aristotle, had Socrates. These are the these are, are the, the you know the great philosophers that people still lean on to this day from two and a half thousand years ago. So when they come along, when Paul comes along, and Jesus comes along, they talk about denying self. They talk about peace that goes beyond understanding. You know, if you're in your head, sometimes, you know, these words were words of foolishness. What do you mean, deny self? You know what I mean? How how can I be anything else other than myself? What about peace? how How can I know if I have peace if it's beyond my understanding? And I think here, for each of us, you know, we see in the Jews and the Greeks every one of our battles. We have our hearts set like the Jews on God, liberating us from our current situation. We want details of how did it start? How did creation work? How did, how did we fit all those animals in the ark? You know what I mean? How, you know, how will it finish? Is it got, you know, and yet the Bible, you know, there's so much mystery in our faith that it becomes highly problematic to make an intellectual decision in the direction of God. The cross is a stumbling block to our heart and foolishness to our mind. So we need to look at the hope of eternal life, church. We need to look where the hope lives and take steps of faith in that direction. Some of you in the room, I'm sure, are battling with why God hasn't liberated you from this, from your current situation. Some of you can't accept certain passages of Scripture because they seem out of order. You seem to, say, how can, how could God have said that? Is that really God's word? Is the Bible, you know, how did they put the Bible together? Is that, you know, there's, there's all these challenges that are disrupting your intellect. I believe God's inviting us beyond our hearts and our minds through faith into a life in the spirit. I love what John the Baptist says. He, he, you know, he, he says, I baptise you with water, but one is coming who will baptise you in the spirit and fire. In other words, what John the Baptist is saying is the most I can do for you, the best I can do for you is lead you to a place of repentance. Repentance. And then baptism. At some point today, I will lead you in communion. But the emblems of communion, they don't gain anything because they're delivered to you by an ordained minister. They're simply a symbol of the great work of God where he invites you to be restored according to the power that you receive through his spirit. John even said, he says, he that comes after me is mightier than I. Consider this, church. The person who introduced you to the wisdom of God can lead you to repentance. Great. However, only the Holy Spirit can endow you with power and lead you through grace into redemption. We need to be a redeemed church. We don't want to live according to our yesterdays. We want to live according to the hope that we have in Christ. But we get... I don't know about you, but we get repentance because guilt and shame are easy. You know, I've got, my family's half Italian and predominantly Catholic, so we get guilt. You know, it's, it's something that we thrive in. And, you know, from time to time, I, it, it leaks out of me and I, and I present guilt to other people. We get it. We get guilt and shame. But only through the baptism of the Holy Spirit do we truly walk in the full power of grace and redemption. Church, people can lead you. You know, we, we get it. We come to church and we feel the weight of our own life and we go, man, I need to repent. And that's a good decision. That's your, that's, the first, that's your very first decision. You know, before Jesus ascended, he said to the disciples, go and tarry and wait in faith for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. I love watching the life of Peter. Peter was hanging out with Jesus for, for three odd years. And he's spending time with Jesus, right, personally. Yet, when a push came to shove, Peter denied Christ three times. But then when Jesus ascended and he went and waited in Jerusalem, he tarried in Jerusalem with the other 120 in the upper room. And when he was endued, when he was baptized in the Holy Spirit, when he was endued with power from on high, what happened? He went, and, he went and started one of the great revivals of history. The beginning of the church. He laid down his fear. Fear caused him to deny Jesus. He laid, how did he lay down his fear? What's the evidence of the Holy Spirit? You know, some, you know sometimes people, they'll say different things, won't they? You know, they'll, they'll say different reasons. Maybe you'll speak in tongues. Maybe you'll feel something. But the, here's the core of it. The core of the difference between Peter pre and post baptism of the Holy Spirit was that he laid down fear and what he embraced his new idea to such a point, to such an eternal point that he spoke it with confidence. We've read in these scriptures today, Paul challenges us in the church, through the church at Corinth. He challenges us to be unified. He challenges us to to have Christ alone as our foundation and what? And to surrender our hearts and our minds. The things that divide us are how we feel and what we think. Now, those very important parts of being human, feeling and thinking, they're very important. So he's not saying don't do those things. He's saying make sure that those things are sitting on top of the foundation of Christ. Because if the reason that you gather here today is anything other than the, other than the foundation of Christ, eventually that's going to cause division between you and someone else. But if you, you can disagree on a whole myriad of things if your foundation is Christ, and all it will do is sharpen one another. It'll reveal the rawness of you. When the rawness is revealed, guess what? You know, there's some areas that you need to surrender and submit to the Lord so that he can continue the process of transformation. We cannot think or feel our way there, church. But what we can then do is we can prayerfully wait with expectation for the Holy Spirit to endure us with power that we may access the depths of grace and the journey of redemption. Now you know, some might say you'll feel something or speak in tongues or other things, and yep, these things happen. Don't be surprised if you do feel something. Don't be surprised if you start speaking in another language and, and you, you, which you cannot explain. Don't be surprised of those things. But the foundation of it is this it is a new confidence, a fresh confidence in your new adoption into God's family. In the Hebrew writer says, do not give your confidence away. What's the confidence? The confidence is, is that you are living on the foundation of Christ. You are no longer living on the foundation of, of your earthly existence, of your talents, of your family name. You're living on... You know, why, how does he start, Paul, with the plead? He says, I plead with you according to the name of Jesus Christ. Why does he plead according to the name of Jesus Christ? Because if we have a foundation other than Jesus Christ, then we're, in, in, we're lining ourselves up for some version of disagreement or division that can be a game ender, not a growth giver. God's speaking to some of you today, church, and he's, he's inviting you beyond your stumbling block. It's a matter of the heart. If it's a matter of the heart, we get caught. It's a, what is the stumbling block for you, church? Or is he inviting you beyond an intellectual disagreement? He's not saying those things aren't important. He's saying they're not great to make life decisions on. They're great to challenge one another. They're great to speak into one another and and say, let's talk this out. It may take two years, but let's talk through it. Let's work through it. But the beauty is, my commitment to you is based on the foundation of Christ, not based on the peripheral doctrine that we disagree on. Which can be important to our lives, but not foundational. And he's speaking to you and he's asking to you, will you wait in faith? For what John the Baptist said, will you wait to be baptized with the spirit and with fire? I love it. I love the spirit and with fire. You know, the the spirit takes us to where Jesus is. Where's Jesus? Jesus is seated in the heavenlies. When Jesus ascended and you are baptized in the spirit, you go where Jesus goes. So your perspective shifts. If we get a heavenly view, we don't have an earthly view anymore. And what does fire do? It refines us. It burns away the yesterdays, you know, where old things pass away and all things become new. I'm sitting in my office last night and I was considering the gap between the platform and the pew and I was reminded of when I was a young scallywag in the church and we only really sang hymns and all of the hymns were in E flat or some random thing and there was a chord change on every word and just impossible. Like We were being asked to do something as a younger generation that was impossible but we didn't have these cool new songs. So what we did is we rewrote the songs so that you could play them in the key of G because everyone in our whole youth group could play G, C and D on the, on the guitar. And, and I thought, oh, I wonder if I could still do it. And it pl- pulled the guitar up and um, I was playing it as well with my soul and the key of G, my version of it. And uh, I'm strumming this old version to the point where I was in this beautiful moment of worship and doing things that no red-blooded man should ever do, like weep. I was weeping in my office in joy because of the revelation that I don't need to sit you know, in church to worship. I don't even need to do it in the same key or even in tune. God's called us to be worshippers. He wants us to worship. And, you know, I thought, oh, if there's an acoustic guitar on stage today, I might even lead you in my version of it as well with my song. Thank the Lord there isn't one. (laughs) Don't even think about it, (laughs) Bo. I sat there, and here's the thing, right? And I sang this song, and I had a fresh confidence in my adoption and in my hope. Some of you are saying, oh, yeah, yeah, I've been there, I've done that, I've baptized in the Holy Spirit and la da 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 Yeah. But guess what? We need to continually wait on the Lord. As we wait on the Lord, he what? He renews our strength. He wants to renew your strength, church. And what is your strength? Your strength is not the fact that your situation is in order. Your strength is that you are an adopted child of the living God who has eternal life with him. That's where your confidence lies and he wants to invite you into that space. And we can argue all day long about is healing part of the atonement, is, you know, what should, you know what's the deal with, you know, is, what about transubstantiation, what, you know, what about Mary, what are, all these different things that we talk about and argue about, what about worship? They're great conversations, I love them. I'll argue with you all day about them. And eventually the Lord will reveal to you the truth. Here's the thing, church, I may be able to lead you to repentance, but only the Holy Spirit can liberate you to the full meaning of grace and redemption. Here's my question for you today. Will you wait? Sometimes our answer is, no, I, I need, I, I can't wait. I need, I need to, this situation to be solved now. I can't wait on the Lord until I've got closure around what these scriptures mean. How could the Lord allow those words to be in the Bible? And they're good questions. But I want to challenge the church. The way forward in the world, it's going to be more difficult. You know, who, who would have thought that you come to church and they ask you to scan a QR code I wouldn't scan one of those in a million years. I'm sure there's some conspiracy where they're tapping all of my information. Don't do it, church. Don't scan the code. Who knows? What am I? Doing? You know, it, this the, the world, guess what? The world that doesn't know Lord is doesn't know the Lord is looking for a strategy to bring order to a world that has no order outside of Christ. Will you wait, church? Will you wait to be endued with power from on high? Will you invite yourself, will you take a step of faith past your broken heart, past your intellect, and into hope? Faith is not the substance of your heart. It's not the substance of of your understanding. Faith is the substance of where your hope is. And where is our hope? Our hope is in the glorious appearance of Jesus Christ. Eternal life. I want to pray for you this morning, church, and, and I want to invite you into a new space, into a new season of your life. And I want to invite you to be a waiting church, not to wait on, will I get a phone call in my time of need? Hopefully you get that. Not, you know, will, you know, I, I need to understand, not wait, don't wait for understanding. Wait on the Lord, that his Holy Spirit may come upon you and endue you with a power that can transform you through his grace into a redeemed state. So that what? His, his, you know, so that what? The joy of the Lord will be your strength. The joy of the Lord will only be your strength if he is also your foundation. I love the Apostle Paul and the guys. They're in prison and they're singing hymns in prison. Why? Because their earthly liberty was not their foundation. Christ was their foundation so they could worship whether they were in prison or whether they weren't. So I want to pray for you this morning. I'd love it if this prayer would be the start of a journey for some of you. A band could come up. That would be great. We can, we'll take communion in a minute. You know if the Lord's speaking you today. So why don't we just bow our heads and close our eyes and and I'm just going to invite you, if, if the Lord's speaking to you today in any direction, do it covertly if you want, but put your hand on your heart and let me pray for you this morning. Father, we come before you with all of our strategies. We come before you with our ideas. We come before you with our understanding come before you with our yesterdays, our broken hearts, our confident hearts. Come before you with what we do know and what we don't know. And we just say, Lord, it's, it's not working for us. It's not transforming us like your word says. It's not taking us from glory to glory. So, Lord, we choose this day to begin waiting on you because we've repented lord we felt the shame we felt the guilt we've been you know life has led us to this place lord And we know now that we can only go to a new level with you we can only be transformed from our yesterdays the old things can only pass away with your power with your strength by your spirit and with the refining of your fire We've been through the fires of earth, Lord, and they don't seem to work. Father, we need the fire that is a purifying fire of your Holy Spirit. May it come upon each of us. Give us the strength to wait until, Lord. Lord, where we're impatient, Father, we ask that you give us the strength. But Lord, we're just pleading with you that your Spirit come upon this place and baptise us into a fresh confidence into a fresh hope, and into your glory. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching, that you've been encouraged and challenged. To stay up to date with our latest messages, you can subscribe to our podcast. For more information, resource, or service times, please check out our website at noosa.church.